Hello and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reef podcast. Today's guest is a recent high school graduate all the way from Israel. It's my first guest from Israel. His name is Ophir Matityahu. Welcome to the Hi, show. Uh, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. I got it. I nailed it. There you go. There you go. I totally didn't ask Ophir how to say that beforehand. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's jump straight into it. So, yeah, you've recently graduated. Uh, I know nothing about the Israel education system, how it works. Um, I just want to really quickly ask you about that. It, do you have like um, a, a structure similar to the international baccalaureate? Or, uh, because obviously if you're graduating at 18, that's different from the UK. We finish high school at 16 and we have kind of two years between 16 to 18 that we sort of do basically a continuation of education, uh, but for some reason they decide to split it. But most other countries in the world just go up to 18. But what's kind of the general structure in, in Israel as far as education is concerned? Okay, so um, uh, from age approximately seven until age 12, as in first to sixth grade, you're having elementary school. Mm -hmm. Um, forgot to mention, uh, it's, uh, there is a structure of kindergartens that's prior to school, that's kind of complicated. Um, first, there's the ma'on, which is a, a Hebrew word for pretty much like shelter. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know how to translate it, but never mind. Uh, which is for two to four-year-olds. Mm -hmm. And then you have... Uh, what's called Gan Trom Trom Chova, which is a pre-mandatory pre kindergarten, which is for four to five. Okay. And then you have Trom Chova, which is pre-mandatory, six to uh, five to six, excuse me. And then you have um, uh, Gan Chova, which is six to seven. And then from seven on, you, st you start school, as yeah. we know it. Cool. It's, it's kind of similar a little bit to UK and America, I suppose, in the sense that I know certain places in the UK and certain places in America tend to do uh, like preschool, kindergarten, and then main school. And so it's kind of similar to that, I guess. But yeah, Fair pretty much. But in Israel, that's, I think, more structured, like uh, there's age groups even for kindergartens, which is, I think, great because uh, kids kids need to learn how to socialize with their own uh, age group instead of excuse me, instead of kids from other ages because their interests are different their their physical and mental capabilities are different yeah yeah totally um so come, obviously you've, you've just graduated so what, what are your kind of like immediate plans are you looking to uh, maybe maybe go to university or is there a particular career path you're looking to go into like where are you at with that um uh, let's not put the horse before the cart i graduated from high school about half a year ago okay um now i work as a dishwasher at a hummus restaurant mm -hmm. uh, and i wait to be uh, volunteering into the military M military service is actually almost for everyone it's uh, mandatory but for me because they have uh, some uh, communication or dysfunction as i've been diagnosed with 
so I get a, I was exempt, but I said, so what? Like, I'm, I'm just like any other person. I have the same rights and I have the same duties. So I decided to volunteer into the military and I'm about to start my military service in around March or April of 2022. And um, yeah, what are your, so this is the Israel Defense Force. I found this in, in the information that you'd sent over to me. Um, what, what actually prompted you to, to push that? I mean, I know it's quite a divisive issue. Some people, you know, really, really want to do it and want to serve the country and, and such. Other people are really against it. Like, what prompted you to do that? Why did you want to push to do it so much? Um, because I want to give my country back, although this country is full of um, division, civil unrest, um, government ineptitude, it's still a good country to live in. Like we're not starving, mm. we're not we're not dying. So I still want to give a little bit back to this country. And also for me, as a child with communicational dysfunctions, it gave us me and my mother a lot of subsidy with uh, treatments and uh, therapy sessions and that kind of stuff. So. I really want to give back. And also, as I said, I believe, although I'm diagnosed with this and that, it doesn't mean uh, I, I'm different. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe some of my mannerisms and characteristics and thought patterns might be different. You know, I'll just say I, I have mild autism. I won't okay. hide it behind that communicational dysfunctions thing, mm -hmm. which I say to people that I really don't want them to know about but i think i'm not different from anyone else like maybe i have a little harder time making eye contact maybe mm. i have a little harder time in social situations which i'm working on but i'll do whatever it takes to to make myself better at that and maybe working with people which the role i'm going to assume it takes a lot of interaction with other people regarding uh, uh, receiving and giving information about uh, the state of the Israeli Defense Forces, which I think is going to help me. Have you, because what you were saying there and, and, and your choice of wording as far as introducing that and everything kind of implies that you faced maybe a bit of discrimination so far for having that. So I don't know, I guess what I'm trying to say is generally living and growing up in, in Israel, have you faced sort of discrimination for having mild autism? Has it prevented you from doing things or, or, or maybe prevented you from getting opportunities or something like that? Um, I've, I mean, I've been mocked for some of my childhood. Like I've been mm -hmm. a very, I mean, unorthodoxly behaving child. So kids notice that. And as you know, kids are, they don't have the filters that some adults have. Yeah, yeah. But for the most part, like I'm a regular living person. You know, mm -hmm. I have my job, I have my social circle, I have my hobbies, I have my interests, I have the things I like to do. And I think I'm, I behave pretty much normally. So tying things together, um, Obviously, you're looking to kind of get various skills and, and, and sort of test yourself via joining the Israel Defense Force. You mentioned that you're doing uh, working as a dishwasher in, in a restaurant. I also worked as a dishwasher at one point. Just fun fact. Um, 
but what what do you want to do like what what are you i know you're passionate about music and we'll get to that but what are you really wanting to do in, in years from now i know and i know it's difficult i was 18 once you know so i know it's not easy to you know and immediately know what you want but you must there must be something you're really passionate about that you're like that's what i want to do or i want to do this um i really think about being a, a therapist when i grow up because i really want to reach out to other people and really give them the tools to solve their own problems and also because I'm a very empathetic person. Uh, I know there's a sentence in Hebrew that says, the baker shall not measure its own dough, but I think I'm pretty damn intelligent. So I think I can uh, give people another perspective on their problems and hence let them solve them. I like your confidence, man. It's good. It's good. More people need to have that. I've, I've said this sometimes in my live streams that I think a problem that we have a lot of the time, certainly in the UK, but also in other countries in general, is this idea that you can't celebrate yourself or you can't say, oh, I am good at this thing or I have, you know, intelligence in this area. It's like, why can't you say that? I mean, people will uh, say that you're not being modest, you're not being humble. And it's like, well, it's not like you turn around being like, I am the greatest that ever lived. But, <laughs> but you say, it's okay to say, yeah, I have a talent for this. I, I think I have a proficiency for this. Because we all have different talents, things that we're good at, things that we're not so good at. You know, why can't you celebrate that? You know, yeah. If it's backed in reality and you don't do it too much and it's not like, yo, I'm so intelligent 24-7. Yeah. Don't shove that into people's throats. Like, you said it in the appropriate context and in a way that doesn't um, degrade the people around you. That's yeah. absolutely fine. And actually, I still have issues with my confidence. I'm still pretty insecure, but I'm working on that and I'm trying to eliminate the cognitive biases that make me think this way. To tell you the truth, um, and this is <laughs> me talking to you because... I've been in that situation when, when I was growing up, I, I had zero confidence, bad self-esteem, all of that stuff. Um, and I'm not speaking for everyone, but I've learned certainly in my twenties that I don't think it's ever something that you truly overcome completely. I think it's just something that you learn to get better at dealing with. You learn to kind of go, you know what? maybe it's going to be okay maybe i am okay maybe i am worth something but you still doubt yourself but you just can't listen to that doubt you know that's the key in my humble uh, <laughs> i mean you're absolutely right it's not something you can eradicate it's not it's not binary code you can't eradicate that i mean you can you can live with that to the point where it doesn't disturb your everyday life like sometimes you'll, you'll cope with it, you'll deal with it, especially when you hit lower points in your life. But I mean, when you jump on the trampoline and the, the surface goes down so you can go up. A great way of putting it. I love that. Um, okay. So you've got quite a few different goals and aims and such. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, you're, already, you're practicing social skills. That's something I understand now. There's a bit more context for why you're doing that. Um, all round, you know, I mean, a lot of what I'm sort of mentioning here is stuff that you'd sent over to me that, you know, things, talking points, et cetera, which are helpful. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, but it all kind of, 
fits this mold if you're trying to kind of better yourself body spirit and soul kind of thing all around um and some of the things i tapped into here that i found quite interesting you're learning to cook so that's interesting tell us more about that um actually i'm i'm trying to tell my mother listen let me cook with you but she's like oh i don't have time for that i don't have energy for that you know she wakes up at 5 a.m oh i see Works their day job it's like nine to ten hours per day and she doesn't have the energy to teach me and i tell her you know what just give me a written instructions and i'll cook and she's like nah nah i don't want to deal with the consequences <laughs> if, I, if i'll nag a little more i'll get what i want trust me right now most of what i cook is like um hard-boiled eggs omelets unfortunately i don't cook anything more but if you but i can cook rice i mean that's also something there you go yeah, you gotta start somewhere right <laughs> and i imagine yes. actually working in that restaurant will really help you because um i remember when i was a dishwasher i was just washing dishes in like a local pub near my university and every now and again they'd be like oh hey can you uh prepare some salad for us or can you just quickly cook this thing you know it happens you you slowly find yourself and every job i kid you not every job is like this you start as one thing and you end up doing like loads more and before you know it you're like the manager and you're like well hold on <laughs> Give me, give me the money. Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, in, in a football team for you, I mean, football is in the football, you actually play with your feet. Like you maybe are a center forward, but if the opponent has the ball in his feet, like you'll try and take it away from them. You don't care like, oh, I'm a center forward. I need to only score goals. No, you'll actually do whatever it takes to win. That's, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I think, especially, yeah, I'm not the biggest football fan of all time but if um one of my flatmates is a big football fan and uh, we were talking recently about sort of Ronaldo's Cristiano Ronaldo's shift from sort of being a midfielder to being more of a center forward and the reason for that is that he is a team focused player and he knows that his he's going to be used best at this point in his career as a center forward whereas years ago he had the energy to run up and down the field and and be defense midfield attack you know but my point is that you know you're, you're adjusting to that team dynamic what is needed in that situation and also accepting your limitations but also accentuating your strengths at the same time exactly exactly i mean i didn't cook anything yet I mean, the most I've made is like tea and coffee, which is um, served alongside dessert when uh, the customers finish their meal. We give them some uh, baklava, which is some kind of, I mean, a sweet baked good. It's like a cookie with coffee or tea, what they choose. So I made some coffee and tea, like that's the most. But I also, I mean, sometimes I'm up the floor, sometimes I... Uh, I take the the empty plates and put them where need, in the sink. Mm -hmm. So yes, <laughs> you see, you see. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna say this right. There is nothing wrong with doing physical labor, physical jobs. I've done many jobs like this. I've worked as a waiter, bartender, 
I've stacked shelves for a living in a supermarket. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing those types of jobs. And I think most people, from what I understand, tend to start in those jobs and then move on to other things in their, in their life, you know, because those are the easiest jobs to get into initially. But here's the thing. If you've never worked in, in those kind of jobs, I can tell you now, uh, it's a lot harder than you think. It might sound really easy, but imagine doing this stuff for like 12 hours a day with, you know, you're supposed to get a lunch break, but whether or not you get a lunch break, that's another story. And, <laughs> and then there's other situations like, uh, like I remember when I, when I was working as a waiter, um, we would constantly have situations where, you know, be really busy. It's a summer's day. There's like 150 people on a really boiling hot terrace. Managers disappeared. They're gone. Don't know where they are. So I'm essentially the manager, even though I didn't ask to be or want to be. But people start coming to me like, oh, hey, what do we do? We need to do this. We need to do that. And it's like someone's got to take charge of the situation. You're right. And also, I just found myself in these situations constantly. And you just do your best. You just do your best to make the situation work but you've got to do everything you've got to deal with customer complaints you've got to be good at organizational skills you've got to have the energy to do it you know and it's just there's so much to contend with and when you come home you're just physically and mentally drained it takes everything exactly like all i do when i come back home sometimes it just yeah i find that last bit of mental energy to take a shower (laughs) <laughs> and then all I do is either browse Reddit or play a game on my phone. So, yeah, sometimes maybe, you need that. Like, yeah, I've been there, man. Maybe strum a few simple chords on my guitar. Like, nothing more than that. So let's talk about that. You like music. We can see a guitar there in the background. Um, you can see a guitar for you, too. Yeah, so how, how long How long have you... Yeah, yeah, i got guitars. I'm a musician as well. Uh, how long have you been a musician? What What... Um, kind of music are you into? Talk to us about that. Um, I don't really regard myself as a musician. Like I know theory and I do practice daily, but okay, I okay, okay. Do, do you play an instrument? Uh, yes, I play the guitar. Then you're a musician. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Like, so, I don't, yeah, I, I can call myself a musician. I, I don't believe in this gatekeeping crap. Like, I don't think there's, there's oh, well, you know, you need to have played for you know, five years and you need to have composed this many works. Like, no, what? <laughs> you play music and you like music. You're a musician, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, I'll adopt that mindset. Anyway, I interrupted. Tell us more. So you're learning That's theory. Fine. You're learning. That's fine, man. I know theory, like I know the names of the intervals, you know, I know what a minor third is, I know what a perfect fifth is, I know how to explain, I know time signatures in a very broad and vague way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I noticed that you're into bands such as Lamb of God and Heavy Metal. I presume since you're talking about time signatures, you're probably aware of bands like Dream Theater and, and such. Is that, would that be right? I, I, I listened to Panic Attack once, but I didn't really listen to that much Dream Theater. Like, okay. I mean, they're an awesome band. Yeah, I listened once to Forsaken, mm. which is one of their most mainstream and straightforward songs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm more into their silly songs that have like 15 time signature changes. Like that's, my, <laughs> that's more my thing. There was a time I listened to a lot of Tool, though. Uh, see, there you go. 
there's there's another example <laughs> um yeah well t- tell us who, who are your like favorite um bands to listen to or that you're inspired by tell us about that um um yeah uh there's no one band that i'm really into but i mean probably lamb of god kill switch engage uh, as i lay down that kind of stuff i really like that that you know that uh, not is american metal mm, but mm-hmm. i'm really open to anything and i think music is pretty much an acquired taste like many things when i listened to them first i didn't like it as much and i was like Eh, that's not for me maybe but then i listened to it more and more and started appreciating the nuances and maybe things started to click for instance in one song like the timing sounds kind of off but then i listen to it and then i understand the timing is actually absolutely right it's exactly the same as when the first time i listened to uh, i think possibly a dream theater song and i was like hang on wait what and then same thing happened about two seconds later it, it dropped and then it kind of made sense and i was like oh oh this is a thing this is just the type of music i've never heard before oh okay exactly, exactly. <laughs> but anyway um okay well what can you tell us what's the heavy metal scene like in israel or music scene oh, in general there's a pretty large heavy metal scene actually I wanted to go um, a year ago, a year and a half ago, actually, to an Iron Maiden show, but that got canceled because of COVID. And then when they actually did their tour, they omitted their Israel performance, which I was really sad about because they're legendary. I mean, Bruce's vocal ability is is off the charts. Mm. He can hit those notes. And I actually used to sing, so I don't know what he's talking about. What I'm talking about, like those high notes, it's insane, especially mm. for a dude with a lower voice like me. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to do uh, to to sing to that that ability. It takes a lot of work for sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's get into some sort of random questions about Israel in general. Tell us some things about Israel that not everyone will know. Oh. What can I say? That's a very tricky question. Most Israeli people are pissed about living in Israel, including me and my family. They're pissed about living in Israel. They complain nonstop. But sometimes only when they go to actually third world countries, like many many people after they finish their military, young people, Mm -hmm. they go to either um, South America or the the Far East, you know, uh, India, Goa, that kind, those kinds of places, and then they understand what real poverty is. Not poverty in the sense of, oh, I can't afford a five-bedroom apartment and a trip to and a trip abroad twice a year. No, actual poverty, like you have nothing to eat, you you barely have a house, and we need to actually have some perspective. That of course prices are rising. I'm not gonna deny that it's backed in reality. But still, most of us actually have food on the table, at least from where I'm from. Probably if I go to another neighborhood, it would be another story. What are some kind of, or what would you say are the most common misconceptions about Israel? So I guess I'm coming at this from a a Western perspective, but um, 
Yeah, what what would you say are like the misconceptions? What what are the things that people get wrong about Israel? Misconceptions. I mean, misconception about. I mean, one misconception is that all Israeli people are rude and arrogant and and lack uh, etiquette, which is not true. Some Israeli people have fantastic etiquette. Like mm. uh, when I was in London, I quickly learned what is expected of me as a as a visitor as okay. a person operating and moving around in space mm. i'm expected to to let them um, to when i mount the subway i need to first let all the people off before i go on yeah yeah the escalator i need to go to the right hand side yeah i never thought about that actually that's a really good point because i'm i'm actually originally from london and just think it's been years since i've because i live in somewhere else now but uh those things people just kind of do automatically you don't even get told to do that it just you just do it <laughs> but i guess it, it just kind of got decided by people it's just the natural flow of things but yeah that's a really good point <laughs> um so what okay this next question, I want to kind of come at this from your your individual perspective, because as I said before, we actually went on camera and I'm just kind of saying this to my audience now as well. Uh, I don't really go into to really politics on my show or controversy. I've, I've always kind of liked to focus on my guests specifically, them and their lives and their opinions and thoughts and feelings. I have had people on the show that have had like particular political views and such but i like to kind of give a general overview rather than you know going into bet the debates or anything like that but i wanted to kind of get your thoughts and opinions um firstly as a young person but also as someone from israel what can you kind of tell us from your perspective about the political situation and sort of general life in Israel? Um, politics, you mean in the sense of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict or just everyday life under this government? Uh, all of the above, really. You know, just from your perspective as someone okay, living start, in, in that country. Okay, I'll start with the plain Jane stuff, which is just, you know, everyday life. Um, you know, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, he was uh, the prime minister for, I think, 12 years or such, 13. Mm -hmm. And uh, about uh, eight months ago, this new government uh, under uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, the prime minister is, it's, it's like the president in the US. Okay. He has most of the political authorities, uh, and people, especially in the center to left wing, they really loathed Netanyahu, loathed him. There were gigantic protests in Jerusalem and in Tel Aviv, calling for, the, for Netanyahu's head, basically. No, not in the sense of actually beheading him, mm -hmm. but in the sense of dethroning him, because he, he has accusations that he... He actually accepted bribe from uh, from rich tycoons uh, in order to so he can give them uh, tax. Uh, he give he can give them uh, tax uh, 
tax breaks. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. tax breaks. And that's one thing. I don't know how true it is. Like I have a right wing friend who vehemently says like uh, the media is making this up. He's innocent. It's abs. I, I don't know, but I think he still did some dirty stuff. If you ask me, but this new government is not perfect either. Prices keep rising. There's still a lot of injustice, still a lot of um, uh, of corruption. It didn't disappear like this. Mm. It will take a lot of time and a lot of work. And of course, things will never be perfect. That's how the world goes. Things will never be perfect. But I think like life in under this government will be marginally better for the the middle class nine to five majority which makes up most of the population of course there are the elites who make extreme amounts of money and own like multiple houses and then there's the dirt poor or maybe homeless they live in a nutritional insecurity and that kind of stuff but i talk about the you know nine to five middle class yeah we we have two kids that this that kind of population i think life will be a little better for them would you say the class divide is is particularly large between all those classes because we still have a class system here in the uk as well um and maybe it's not as large as it used to be but it is in some areas but would you would you say that you noticed that particularly is is there a big divide um whoa that you know what i i read harry potter when i was uh 12 or 11 so i can understand what you're talking about like uh, draco mafo he was always arrogant he bullied ron weasley for being poor <laughs> which kind of sums it up yeah but, in Israel, I mean, the, the divide is not that huge. I mean, you, I mean, 80% of the population is somewhere on the spectrum of that, you know, nine to five, yeah, uh, middle class, maybe have uh, a few thousand shekels in their bank account, and they pretty much live month to month. They, that's pretty much 80% of the population in a varying uh, amounts of uh, financial security. Of course, a lot of it changed because uh, COVID uh, hit and I hope uh, it's okay to say it. I don't want your video getting demonetized on YouTube later. About what do you mean with regards COVID. to? Oh, don't worry about that. I mean, I oh, don't because, even... <laughs> uh, some, because some YouTube videos I listened to, they, have, they said either the pandemic or the C word, that, those kinds uh, of buzzwords. I, I, I'll just say this as a side note. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really focus on on YouTube. Like, obviously, the the podcast is available on YouTube and Twitch and stuff in video form. But YouTube is kind of quick to censor stuff. I, I've actually had one episode fully banned because for about two seconds we spoke about QAnon, and it was literally descriptive. What? Yeah, it was descriptive as well. It's not what. Excuse uh, me. QAnon, if you've heard of that. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking look, about. Look it up. It, it's just conspiracy. I'll look it up afterwards. Yeah. Point is, because um, I had to obviously review this afterwards to see what the problem was. And it was a five-minute clip 
of us just talking about it. Just, just like, you know, I, I was like, oh, I don't really know much about that. And he was like, oh, well, this is what it is. And it was kind of tongue in cheek, but it was descriptive. It wasn't like, this is the case. This is what you should believe or something like that. It was literally just descriptive. And that was enough to get not only the clip banned, but the entire episode banned, which I was just like, okay. Uh, but as far as, because you, you were talking more about monetization, I don't think you get demonetized generally for mentioning like, coronavirus or whatever um and even if you did I, I don't earn any money from youtube i have less than a thousand subscribers uh <laughs> i try not to focus on numbers focus more on creating good quality good, good quality. quality yes good conversations and who knows maybe one day we'll hit those numbers and we'll get somewhere but uh i don't know it doesn't matter that much yeah i mean it's it's i don't know as far as growing online and, and growing in general in life you know it, it takes time and you, you don't just get things like that overnight and if you did i don't think you'd appreciate them as much so yeah exactly rome wasn't built in a day so back to what we were talking about uh, regarding uh, the class divide mm -hmm. i mean class divide isn't that big of course the the rich live in a bubble of their own as in every country and they all go to the same golf clubs and they all own pretty much the houses in the same uh, in the same neighborhoods in probably switzerland hollywood florida wherever mm. or uh, Caesarea, or uh, maybe savion which is, which are the places where the ultra rich live but the the class divide isn't very very big for the i mean 80 80 percent remaining which in the top echelon of the 80%, we have the, okay, we're financially well off, we can survive a crisis, we have a future plan. And I must admit, I'm pretty much in that top echelon. I live in a very pretty house, big house on the last floor. Uh, my bedroom is very big. I know you can't see that, but my bedroom is very large. And I'm an only child, so I've all, I used to have two bedrooms for me. Oh, wow. Okay, well, there you go. And in the bottom echelon of that 80%, you know, you, you have that the people are usually in overdraft. Um, they, they have a hard time. Probably they earn like about 10 to 20% above minimum wage. They have a really hard time. Maybe they even have some sort of uh, debt they need to run. How much... Um... Oh, I think we've lost you there. If I eat at large, I mean, the fact that my family and I don't live in poverty doesn't mean we're pissed. To, we're not pissed to see injustice. How much is minimum wage in uh, in Israel? Oh, um, uh, I think it's around. Uh, can I check that as we go? Yeah, go for it. I was wondering what it would be equivalent to. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Okay, let's see. Um, for a full-time job for an adult uh, with a constant stream of income, I mean, a monthly income, it's 5,500 shekels, uh, translated to pounds and dollars. Wait. Um, it's actually uh, 1,250 pounds. Hmm. 
Okay. And I'll just uh, convert that to US dollars just to clarify. It's about um, almost $1,700. It's about the same as here in the UK, give or take, actually. Yeah, sounds about right. Maybe a little bit above it, yeah, but yeah, no. quite comparable. Yeah. Um, just going back to you know, you thinking of getting in becoming a therapist one day. Are you thinking maybe of studying at university to do that in Israel, or maybe you might go abroad or something to do that? Oh, that you actually hit the nail on the head. I mean, my mother and her husband, uh, they they actually want me to go to either Bulgaria or another Eastern European country to study that because um, tuition is much, much cheaper. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there are actually plans for um, foreigners to study a subject, get their diploma, and then that diploma is actually um, eligible in all European Union. Oh, okay. I think maybe I, I won't go to the UK to work after yeah. you guys did the Brexit, but I can go anywhere else. I know, it's a bit of a frustrating thing that, I mean, I think, I mean, immigration in this country is, is always important and, and the UK government knows that in despite of all this ridiculous nonsense that's, that's occurred in the last few years. So there will be measures in place to, to make sure that people can still come and work in this country and such, but that, exit is really gonna make things difficult i think in years to come i don't think we've really seen the impact of it just yet we've seen it in the country as far as like um issues with trade and, and supplies and stuff like that but when it comes to actual workforce and stuff i think we're going to see that in five to ten years so something will need to be done about that i understand um actually my mother is in the living room she's talking on the phone do you hear her I can't hear anything. <laughs> I oh, just hear cool, your voice. Cool, cool. Because I hear her, so I think maybe you you hear her too. Never mind, never mind. So um, I know uh, studying psychology is hard, but but smack it. Every every occupation almost you take as an adult is hard. Yeah. Even if it's something you really envisioned yourself doing. It's like kids, when you ask them, what do you want to do when you grow up? And they're like, a soccer player. And you're like, when, when you're an adult, and like you say, oh, you know how much practice it takes? Mm. You know how, how many foods you need not to eat? You know how many a-hole teammates you need to deal with? You know how many frustrating moments there are? I think it's all about... I suppose if you have kids or you're, or you're, you know, working with kids in a, as a teacher or something, um, you've got to just teach them about dedication and discipline. I think that's kind of the key to that, you know, and but it, it, it's difficult to teach that because as you say, there's lots of setbacks in life. There's lots of situations where things don't go your way and it's about how you bounce back from that and keep persevering and keep pursuing it in despite of your failures, in despite of how life is, uh, 
you seemingly, yeah, well, not unfair necessarily, but just, you know, throwing barriers in your way. I think a lot of people tend to give up too early. You know, sometimes I, I see people comment on my videos and say, oh, why don't you have like loads of views and likes and all this stuff? And it's like, well, because that stuff doesn't really come overnight and it's not guaranteed anyway. I could do this for maybe like five, 10 years and never get anywhere. And touch wood, I don't want that to happen. I would like to get someone with it, but nothing is guaranteed. And the only way, you know, it's like, it's like the lottery. You got to be in it to win it. You got to be doing it. If you're not doing it, you're not getting anywhere. If you are doing it, you've at least got an opportunity, but that's all it is. You're working for an opportunity. And when you get given opportunities in life, you've got to take advantage of them, but nothing is guaranteed. Um, and and it's, it's, a, it's a difficult world that we live in, isn't it? You know, it's, it's like a lot of the time, it's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But as you say, in many career paths, I mean, taking football as an example, it's about how much dedication and time and effort you put in. And even then, even if, you, like, Christ, I've, I've, I mean, this isn't really the same thing, but it, it will um, illustrate a little bit of a point. When I was growing up as a teenager, I'd play, you know, five-a-side football at places. And sometimes, <laughs> you know, there'd be a group of kids that would come down that are, you know, in youth teams or they're training to be in youth teams. And they would completely destroy us. Just, just you know, 20-0, you know, something ridiculous like that. they just make us look like fools. And I remember thinking, even back then, that a lot of those kids wouldn't make it, even though they are amazing, that there's so much competition. There's so many people working just as hard as you, if not harder. And they may or may not make it. Many of them won't make it, you know? And I think you just have to kind of realistically manage your expectations and just put in your absolute best effort and hope for a bit of luck really and truthfully exactly and also like you don't you don't only do that for the outcomes you'll see in the far future you also do that for for something else you mean for for being productive for being disciplined to learn productivity discipline um, uh, to have something stable in your life I mean, I work as a dishwasher, not just to earn money. Of course, the money is important. It, I mean, I have a boatload of cash right here. I mean, you can see it because uh, I operate from the PC webcam, but, <laughs> but still. <laughs> yeah, I, I sounded like some either mobster or rapper right now. Like, yeah, I have a boatload of cash. And the next minute, you're just gonna start going like that on the camera, like. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my. But God. actually, it's not just for that. It's for the the camaraderie. You know, we're all working for the same thing, which is to serve food to people and um and help them help them be satiated and also like it's it's satisfying to see that your efforts are the efforts you put forth are actually giving some sort of a desired outcome like when i see you know without a dishwasher you you have nothing to serve the food with mm. yeah good point yeah no everything is an important cog in the world sometimes i 
you know, I, I think about that. Like you get these judgmental people in life that look down on, you know, and I've had it. I remember working as, um, as a waiter and, and, and the way people spoke to me sometimes, I, I was ready to throw hands. Like, <laughs> I was just like, are you kidding me? Um, but you know, it's because they just lack respect and they don't understand it. Maybe that too, but a lot of the time it's just, you know, people lacking respect. You know, I, the way I look at life is that you should treat everyone with the same respect that you preach. would would want, you know, and that's not, well, it's not even me trying to preach. I just think that like in general, in life, no one is better than everyone. We, we all we all, we all get born into different scenarios and we all have different levels of privilege and different you know barriers that we're facing and different opportunities and such but most of us have to work our asses off for everything we have in life and any opportunities we're given we just have to jump at them because they don't often come and I think that when you get people that that judge you, for doing something, you know, maybe a mean, more menial job. I mean, I think that says more about them than it does say about you. I think it says that they're just kind, they're kind of exception. where they're just, they're just low. They just, you know, they're, they lack respect. Insecure. No, I, I don't know that I would say they're insecure. I, th I think they're just kind of, they lack respect. They lack empathy. They lack many of these basic things. Like, I, I don't know, like, if I'm sitting at a restaurant, even before I worked in the customer service industry, like I never would have dreamt of speaking to people the way that I've been spoken to or the way I see sometimes people speak to people. And it's just like, I think people, a lot of the time that act in that way towards people in the service industry, I think it's a psychological thing of they want to feel better than people because they feel, maybe you're right, actually, the insecurity thing. Maybe it is just that they lack confidence within themselves they lack something in their life so they take it out on someone else to make themselves feel better basically like like bullies to be honest same same sort of principle um but it just makes them look an ass you know and everyone like you, you ever see that happen you ever sitting in a restaurant and you see that happen like no no one's looking at the server going oh what did they do wrong they're looking at that person speaking to that person going what's, what's his, yeah, his and in Israel these occurrences are actually pretty common. I mean, there's a, a viral, there was a viral video, I think it was shot like four years ago, six years ago, a few years ago of a lady in, in an airplane and the flight attendant wouldn't sell chocolate to her, mm. um, and to her and their flight mates. And she started yelling at me with with such brutality and aggression and that that was they actually call it the ugly israel the ugly israeli mm. uh, which is not ugly as in like um aesthetically unpleasing but as in rude impolite um uh, entitled Sorry, English is not my first language, so sometimes oh, I'll no, have to fine, take man. a moment to find the word. Uh, and that is um, 
I actually kind of like seeing these videos because it's amusing. I, I, I must admit, it's amusing. But if I would encounter that in real life, especially if I'm the person being talked to, I mean, I'd probably either reserve myself or if I'm really exhausted, like I'd mm. get into a yelling match, which is not desired. It's like, it's like giving them fuel to their fire. I think I worked in customer services for about six or seven years in total. And I could probably count like three times that I either lost it or I snapped back at customer. And like, I remember one time it was a really hot day. I was working as a server at some restaurant or hotel. And we had like this lounge area like it was like um it was a lounge area and then there was a, a place that we did like english afternoon tea which was a slightly bit fancier area and then there's the terrace outside right so every yeah exactly yeah so everyone's outside because it's a beautiful day it's by a river you know you can imagine the scene right it's packed there's nowhere to sit nowhere to sit so and naturally there's no one indoors everyone's outdoors so indoors is basically empty and there's this couple that come in and they're like, we would like a place to sit. And I said, oh, unfortunately we're busy. Um, so I, I don't know how long the wait will be, but if you find a place, please feel free to sit down, right? And I thought that would be the end of it. And they were like, oh, um, well, we're going to sit here and uh, you can go and, and find us a place when, when it becomes available. And they can see, right? I've got like, I don't know, 15 things in my hands. We're all running back and forth. Like we're clearly very busy and stressed out. And I'm like, okay. And that's the thing. In the midst of this, while we're going back and forth and back and forth, there's p new people uh, coming in and finding spots where people have left. And we haven't even had the opportunity to clear the tables yet. Right. That's how busy it is. Right? People just they're like vultures. They see it and they go for it. <laughs> but fine. Great. It's first come, first serve. Right. It's not reserved. Um, and I remember this couple. As I'm passing back and forth, they stop me and say, you promised us to find a place. You you, you said you were going to find us a place. Uh, but then th this couple came in after us and they've sat down and you're serving them first. And I just said. It's, it's first come first serve and it's up to you. Like, I can't, uh, you know what I mean? Like uh, we do our best, but you know, we can't help if people go and sit there before we've even had a chance to, to interact with it. You know what I mean? Like if I'd have genuinely had the opportunity to clear the table and no one is going to that table, I would have gone over to them and brought them over to the table. But I didn't have that opportunity because we were so busy. <laughs> We had, to, we had to turn people away that's how busy we were and like you know what I mean and it's that kind of stupidity because they were then launching into me and being like oh this is worst customer service ever get me your get your manager and then you know naturally my manager comes and says the exact same thing that I've said because <laughs> and it's just I don't know man I, I think sometimes they just like to just be dicks part of my language for no reason um just to make themselves feel better i don't know and i don't it, know i think maybe this the, it's not actually malicious intent it's just probably not no yeah no they, I, I i don't doubt that they i think look they 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 strolled down it was a nice day 
you know they saw oh there's this nice place over the river wouldn't it be nice to sit on this terrace and yeah i agree right but i can't help you know i can't pull a table from out of my ass and have you sit on it you know what i mean like <laughs> i'm not a magician i do the best with what i have and we were hideously understaffed like every other restaurant probably in the world um <laughs> and it's just what can you do in a situation like that and and that's the thing they can the customer thinks they can speak to you in a rude manner and get away with it because you're you won't say anything because if you do you'll get fired right but i snap back because it's like no you're you're in the wrong and i, I wasn't rude in the sense that I, I said anything i shouldn't have but i was a bit like no look you know we've done our best here and we can't help that this is the situation you know and then firm. yeah firm but fair like yeah it's that's awesome well, you, you do sometimes have to stand up for yourself, you know, and you get these people, you know, like, for instance, I disagree with the classic saying of the customer is always right. That's bullshit. The customer is not always right. Often the customer is wrong and entitled and thinks they deserve to be given everything for nothing. Um, customer is often wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if, the, if the rules are very laid out very fairly, right, and straightforward, it's your fault for not you know, reading the situation. So going back to the snow, sorry, I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, but just bear with that me. Kind of, that kind of customer behavior is actually um, kind of giving evidence to my theory that everyone has autism to some degree. Interesting. Well, they say it's a spectrum, don't they? The autism spectrum. I mean, even so. people aren't diagnosed, that's my theory. Even people who aren't diagnosed, they still exhibit some traits that usually are characteristics of autistic people. Like, I, I mean, they're not deserving of the actual clinical uh, diagnosis, but still they exhibit some, so, some of the traits, which are the criteria for diagnosing autism. That's no, I, I think you might be onto something there, because I can think of so many instances where I carefully explain to someone why we couldn't help them or why we couldn't deliver the thing that we wanted to deliver and it was very clear you know nuts and bolts this is the reason and then we still had to have an argument for an hour and a half or an hour where i was just repeating myself and it's like they just didn't get the most basic thing so maybe that maybe maybe you're right maybe there was an element to that um maybe maybe, maybe it is a thing i don't know it's, those kinds of arguments are kind of like putting sand through a meat grinder. Like it, it provides no outcome. It's exactly the same. It's just, it's just wasting my time. I'll be honest. Like, exactly. Exactly. The, 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 and that's the thing. I, I've got so many examples of where that happened. Like so many across all the different places that I worked over the years. And I can't help but feel that it's not because of anything I did. It was, you know, cause I was, I was always, like, look, I'm not Mr. Perfect, but you know, I, I would all, I always knew how to speak to people. I always knew how to keep my temper and, and keep it together and be professional. And I realized the consequences of not doing so. And, you know, but at the same time, like we're still human beings. And if someone is disrespectful to you and rude, it's very difficult to uh, continue to just take that and be nice when someone is actively being nasty. Eventually you get to a point where it's like, shut up. I don't want to serve you. 
Well, for example, when I worked in a supermarket, um, if someone was rude to me, because here's the thing, there's this supermarket here in, in the UK called Waitrose, right? And that's the supermarket I worked for. This was many, many years ago. Uh, just think posh up market, supermarket, basically, for the middle class. Anyway, um, they had this thing, which other supermarkets don't have. So if you go into a, I don't know, a store and they don't have something on the shelf, well, they just don't have it. You know what I mean? They just, they're obviously out of that thing. But for some reason in Waitrose, it was different. Like if something wasn't on the shelf, the customers were enabled and encouraged to ask the staff to go and check upstairs. Even though we know we don't have it, it was this pointless exercise every time. So it'd be like, oh yes, of course, madam. Yes, I'll go upstairs and check for that. Even, and here's the thing. I would know that we don't have it upstairs. I know that for a fact. So, and I would say, I'm sorry, we don't have this. And they're like, oh, but could you check anyway? Okay, then I will go upstairs, even though I've told you that we don't have it. So you're calling me a liar, basically. Um, and what I would do is I would just go upstairs, have a coffee, walk around a bit, chat to some people. No, because look, if they're going to waste my time, I'm going to waste their time. Right. And then I'd come back downstairs and I'd be like, look, I've looked upstairs and we don't have it. And then they'd be like, oh, well, this is unacceptable. How can you not have this on the shop floor? And one or two things would happen. Either one, they would say, oh, I'm going to shop at Sainsbury's. And I'd be like, okay, see ya. <laughs> or they would be like, I want to speak to a manager. And here's what would happen. So the manager would come. It's actually a Reddit meme about that. Yeah, no, seriously, it's true. The manager would come up to you and they would often <laughs> in front of the customer be like oh uh, christian do we do we have that upstairs and i'll be like no because the manager don't know maybe they know but mostly they're just doing other shit they don't have time to check the, the fucking warehouse every five minutes um so they trust you because they know you're dealing with it and they would ask me and i'd be like no we don't have it and then they would say to the customer i'm sorry we don't have it and then they would be like oh i'm writing to head office and it's like oh good luck with that <laughs> Because head office aren't going to reply. Exactly. It's, it's just a, it's a particular type of customer. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't bad employees out there because there are. There are people that don't work hard and are rude and everything. So it does go both ways. But there is this particular type of customer. You know, some people call it the Karen. Some people have other words for it. It exists and it exists everywhere in the world and in all different types of customer service um, industries and you know like here's another quick example i i know i've gone on a tangent here but just bear with me we had this thing at waitrose and i don't understand why we did it and sorry to blast waitrose look you guys are awesome but back in the day you did stuff like this um where you would you would go up to the um i would see, i would see a customer right grab like a box of cornflakes poke holes in them Right, with like a pencil, <laughs> bring it over to the customer, excuse me, customer service desk and be like, this product is damaged. Oh, you need to give me a reduction on this product. This product is damaged. And the manager, knowing that this has, you know, been purposefully Sabotage. damaged, yeah, 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 would give uh, a refund to that person straight away. And then there were other times when the person, <laughs> <laughs> like they bought like maybe a sandwich or something right 
ate like three bites of it and came back and said, oh, I need a refund. I need a refund. There's something wrong with this. And then they would get what's called a double refund. So they would get their money back plus the product for free or exchanged. And then they walk away. And they did that so many times. I saw a particular manager do this so many times. And I was like, you know that they're lying, right? And they do this every week. And every week you just give them that money. And I think they just played stupid because it was easier than receiving complaints. I think that's why they did it. But I can't say I agree with it. I think that's stupid. I don't think you should set a precedent. If you know people are taking advantage of you, don't let them take advantage of you. That's easier said than done, man. That's also something I deal with. <laughs> just... uh, I still have a hard time like uh, holding my own regarding what I want and what I need. I still have a hard time with that. Yeah, but it's something that I'll, I'll work through. And I'll get to the point where I'm proficient enough in expressing my wants and needs and actually saying, no, sorry, that's not right for me right now. Maybe another day. And I, I, I already do that. I have my ups and downs, but I already do that. Mm. What's the biggest life lesson that you've learned so far? Damn, damn. That's, that's pretty... Um, well, that's a tricky question. I need to, I need a moment to think about that. Um, what's the life lesson I've learned? Um, that most of the, the negativity that occurs to us is actually our own negativity. Mm. I mean, yeah, you can have a difficult day at work. You can have, you can break up with somebody you really love or just have a, a very major disagreement. And, and I'm guilty of this. I'm very guilty of this, extremely guilty of this. Every day I'm guilty of this. But I always remind myself like, yeah, you're putting yourself through unnecessary pain and suffering, dude, chill. So that's something I, I really, First of all, I absolutely embraced, I've absolutely embraced the responsibility for that. And I understand it's something that's, that's a matter of my perception, but still it's something that my brain, it's like, it's going to literally kind of resist when you try to change it. And it's because the, my brain, I'll say straight up, my brain is very, very stubborn. And I'm like, oh, all right, brain, I'll write that down. All right, brain. I have this notebook, actually. And it really, really helps me to manage my mood and journal my thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And I'll say, okay, I understand it's very hard to change this belief. I know I believe that um, I was being, uh, uh, like, I was being the victim in this situation. But maybe it's maybe look at the bigger picture like say okay i had this fight with my very good friend which is almost like my girlfriend except for we we don't uh, we don't do sexual intercourse and we don't have intimacy in the physical way but we we all we had all of these good interactions so uh, obsessing about this one 
negative interaction where we disagreed strongly about something and maybe exchanged a few heated words in the heat of the moment. It's not that big when you look at it and it's still something I work on and it's still something I, I, I need to practice and I need to practice a lot. But as they say, practice makes perfect. Maybe not perfect because nothing's perfect, but, but practice makes proficiency. If like we're going the, with the alliteration direction. That's a quote right there. Practice makes proficiency. Brilliant. Brilliant. As we uh, draw things to a close today, do you have any upcoming, upcoming projects? See, I'm not perfect. <laughs> do you have any upcoming projects or final thoughts that you'd like to share? <laughs> um, damn, like I, I'd really like to share that I really stepped up my guitar practice routine. Like I practice for more time and I try to practice more outside of my comfort zone. Like if I had this, this chord change, for instance, I'm trying to change chord from uh, G to D minor, which is mm. a, a chord change that I'm really freaking good at. And like, I'll put a, a drum machine, set a kick drum at quarter notes. You know what I'm talking about? So it will be like a metronome yeah. because I can't stand the clicking of a metronome. It mm. pisses me off to no end. Yeah, so same. I put just a drum machine and I put a kick drum because the, it sounds way better than this. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just do um, four downstrokes of that chord. And then I try and change the chord, do four downstrokes and so on. And also I work on my down picking, speed picking, alternate picking. Um, I haven't started really solos, although I play guitar for almost like a year and a half now, even oh, more wow. than that. But... <clears throat> I mean, that's really something that I want to excel at. And you talked about uh, determination and, and dealing with setbacks and hardships. And sometimes, like, my BPM is not going to be as good. It's mm. not going to be as good. I'm going to be honest with you. But I, I, all I tell myself is, like, do what you can. Keep practicing. Even if it's, like, 10, 20 BPM lower than what you did last week, so F in what? Just keep practicing. No, it's not a linear process. Sometimes you go up, sometimes you go down. And that's all right. That's like playing an instrument, like doing every uh, skill-based endeavor. It's going to be, it's not going to be a linear graph like a M times X plus B type. It's going to be a very, a very curvy graph. And another thing I'd like to tell is that I gotta tell this story. It's a crazy story about how my mother and her current husband met. Like that's pretty crazy. Um, actually, nine years ago, I was uh, ten years old. Um, my my nineteenth birthday is actually this upcoming Friday. Oh. So, so Happy when birthday. I was almost ten years old, yeah, ten years old. Um, me and my mother, we were living in this first floor apartment. It was pretty small. It was too close to the street. Carnos would wake her up very often. And so ultimately, we decided to go, move to our current house. And uh, my aunt, my mother's sister, and her brother-in-law, they recommended on a certain um, uh, handyman slash... Um, Renov 
renovator to actually do the renovations. And, and he, he's actually, he, he has long hair. He speaks with a very, very Bulgarian accent. Very. You hear that accent, you know it's him. That's how distinct it is. And I can't impersonate it. But I know how to impersonate a Russian accent, but not his accent. And so he, he did the renovation. Like, it was cool. They kept each other's phone numbers, I think. Like, I'll check that up with my mom after we, we finish here. And so afterwards, like, and they were actually not meant for each other. In the, at least at surface level, because my mother, she was all about um, her job and me, like actually making sure my needs are met and that I'm going to the necessary um, treatments and practice sessions of the certain skills that I need, especially verbal skills. And he, he lived in Southern Tel Aviv, which is the more like more um, it's like the east end of london if you understand what i mean mm -hmm. it's like mainly immigrants it's it's pretty poor it's somewhat like a controversial place maybe there's crime going on mm. it's kind of like that it's kind of like the east end of london or harlem in new york and so um, he was actually living there back then. He was going to drink beer with his buddies. He didn't want to commit. He recently broke up with his then wife. But then in some crazy turn of events, like either one of them uh, invited the other to meet. And I was at that meeting. I think it was him who invited her to his house because he really thought she's a... Uh, uh, She's really something that is something, someone that will be right for him. And so he invited her to his apartment. I was there. It was a, a one or two bedroom apartment, very small apartment, very, very dominant cigarette smell because he smoked a lot back then. He still smokes, but less because he had a medical issue. And so then they kept, you know, uh, calling each other and kept calling each other, they, they were meeting in, in the increasing frequencies. I mean, first it was like once every two weeks, then it was um, once a week, once every 10 days, then it was twice a week, thrice a week, four times a week. And eventually a, a year or so after, a year and a half or so after the first met, they actually, um, uh, he moved in with us. He left his apartment in Southern Tel Aviv and moved in with us. That was difficult as shit. I'm going, it was difficult as shit. Like he, I was 11, okay? Mm. Yes, I was 11. And as you know, 11 year olds are massive a-holes, massive. And I was no exception. I was rude. I didn't care. Like even my grandma would call me like, Oh, where are you? And I was like, oh, leave me alone. <laughs> but I, of course, I apologize for that and I grew out of that. But I would, and he didn't have no patience for my shit because he lived in a culture where honor and respecting those above you and next to you is, is above everything. So it's mm. not like I'm rude, I'm, I'm, un, I'm not uneducated 
not uneducated in the sense of stupid, but uneducated in the sense of uncultured. Mm. And, and I thought like, why is this dude, why is this man coming? Like, he, he doesn't want to be my dad. I want him so bad to be my dad. I, I'm actually the result of a sperm donation. So I don't know who my biological father is. And up until the age of 10, it was only me and my mom. And so then he came in and I had this kind of Oedipus complex. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I, I kind of wanted to kick him out. I actually had that thought back then. Like, oh, I want this man out. Like, what, what does he do here? Why did my mom bring him here? And my mom explained to me, I love you, but it's not the same type of love. Because I love you unconditionally. Mm. But him, it's another type of love. And now I've, I've been like a year and a half ago, I've been in a, in a four-month relationship with a girl. Like, I liked her, but I didn't love her. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, she was a very nice person. She was kind. She was humble. She was, um, uh, she was very polite. I, I really, really liked her. Like, I'd say, yeah, I really like her to be the mother of my children. But she's like she was like not somebody i'd like to engage in intimacy with and so in the end she thought the same about me like he's a really nice dude but i i would like to uh, hook up with him so we eventually broke up like i said okay see it's not working let's just go each other each to our own she agreed and so we hugged and ever since i've never seen her but it, it was a tangent to explain that now understand that the fact that she loves him doesn't mean that she doesn't love me and she doesn't care for me. And he also cares for me, like not in the emotional way of, oh, you know, you had a really rough day. Yeah, mm. yeah. Talk to me. But in the sense of, yes, some of his income goes for me. I will inherit everything he has after he passes away eventually. Um, he's... Um, me and him, we really make an effort to tell each other what's bothering. Because sometimes, like, he have those insane rage attacks because I did something that bothered him. I didn't even know it bothered him. Or I knew it bothered him, but I kind of forgot about it. Like, it wasn't automatic. And, and so only when he got mad or understood. And so, but we've gone through this very difficult process of... Um, uh, of, you know, we had very difficult moments, moments he was on the verge of leaving, moments I was like, okay, like, okay, once I turn 21, I, I'll get the hell out of this house. Because I was 12, 13 back then, I couldn't live alone. And so, um, but we got through it. And that's something that I really think about, like how crazy this story is. He only came to renovate our house. Now they're husband and wife of, um, I think, uh, 19 months. It's kind of like these um, adult videos where the, either the pizza delivery man yeah, 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 yeah. or the plumber or whatever, like he comes to fix this one yeah. thing. And then, you know what happens. I know, I know, yeah. But it's like a crazy strain. Also, it says that some things take work. Many relationships, they take work. It's not uh, love at first sight. Oh, I've seen this woman. She's so perfect. We're going to bury. 
and I actually had this fantasy, like I had a crush when I was 12 to 13. I really laugh about it, but back then it, it was, it really consumed me. Like she was pretty, she was nice and all that. And, and, and I kind of nagged her too much. I didn't really know how to operate with girls. It's really, it's really funny for me because I remember that. And then I kind of thought, okay, she doesn't love me back. And I actually cried for a few days. Like I had no motivation, but because I had to break up with this fantasy. And, and today, like we're kind of, um, we're good with each other. Like if I'd pass, if I'd see her in the hallways, like I say, hi, how are you? And she would be like, how are you? And I actually told her that, sorry, like I, I had no nuances, but, but it just shows like we all grow and that's something mm. I'm really big into right now. That humans have the capacity and the potential to grow and adapt and evolve. And that's such a beautiful thing. That's such a beautiful thing. That's yeah. really something that I want to apply in my day-to-day -day life. I couldn't agree more, man. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's 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 good. It's good stuff. I appreciate it. I think our listeners will, will really love hearing that. Yes. And um, yeah, I just want to say a massive thank you for being on the show. It's it's been it's been really enjoyable and uh, it's been great getting to know you and everything. And um, yeah, I wish you all the best. Indeed, indeed. Just one thing for the YouTube listeners and Twitch listeners. Every time I either nod my head or point at the camera, it means I really agreed with what Christian said, okay? <laughs> I really agree with that. Oh, bless your heart. Well, thank you very much. And to all the listeners of the Christian Reeve podcast, be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.